Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. My beautiful people and welcome back to coffee with romina podcast this is your favorite podcaster romina i hope you guys are having a tremendous and a fabulous and a gorgeous and a beautiful and an amazing and an incredible and i can go on and on but i hope you're having a really happy day <laughs> well if you are brand new to our show i want to take a moment and thank you for tuning in Welcome to Coffee with Romina podcast. And if you are one of our loyal listeners, thank you so much, you guys, for tuning back into our show. Quick reminder to our new listeners, go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you are getting your podcast just from. So this way, you do not miss any of our future episodes as well. Actually, I want to talk about something very important today. Sometimes the heart sees what is invisible to the eye. Right? You can all agree with me. I know. Today, as a matter of fact, we are going to get real about love. <laughs> I know, you guys, we have not touched this topic in forever. We have not talked or we have not had a single episode devoted to love and relationship because I always wanted to make sure that I chose a really great guest to talk about it. And I'm very super duper excited to announce that we actually have that guest today, Renee Piani. She's amazing and phenomenal, you guys. Renee is the love designer. <laughs> she is very passionate to ignite the hearts of busy, successful people around the world to get real about love and reinvent their love lives. It's amazing, right? She actually has over three decades of experience in the love and dating industry. So we definitely have an expert, just so you guys know. And the cool thing about this show is not only me and Renee actually get to talk and be real and raw about love, about my busy females out there, that sometimes we are on that masculine energy or we are in that alpha wavelength, I would say. Me and Renee actually talk about the masculine energy in the females and how we'd be able to balance that whenever we are in the dating world, as well as how can we keep the attraction and the retention in love what do you do with that 70% perfect partner? As well as how to deal with jealousy and insecurities. How to stop your heart before you say, screw it, I'm done with the dating world. How to protect your heart before it even gets to that level. We're going to talk about how to recover from past trauma. Because we all have had trauma in our life, one way or another. And that's why sometimes we have our walls up. And sometimes our walls are super thick. So even if you try to demolish the wall and let somebody in, it's still not easy to do so. So me and Renee get real about love. But a cool thing too is her husband ends up in the show too. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite parts of the segment for today as well. 
not only me and Renee get to have a really amazing conversation, but I got the chance to actually ask Joe some of the questions that a lot of females sometimes would want to ask a guy. And Joe have had failed relationships and now is in a super duper happy marriage with Renee for over a decade. So I get to ask him, why do guys run away when things get serious? What is it about guys that stops them from being vulnerable? And a lot more amazing questions. So I want you guys to really enjoy this. I'm super excited about today's show. You get to learn a lot about Renee. You get to learn a lot about me too and relationship wise. And also, Joe, thank you so much for being a part of the show. This was amazing. So stay tuned for that, you guys too. We are going to talk about real and raw things about love. Therefore, let's just get this party started and get real about love. Enjoy! Hi, Renee. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here to share my passion with your audience. And I know we, you know, waited. I was excited about it. So I'm here to be of service. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited for this episode, you guys. All my audience have been wanting to do an episode on the podcast regarding love and relationships. And finally, jackpot, we got a great phenomenal guest. So before we get started, though, um, I know you guys, I did a quick intro before the interview, but Renee, give a quick recap to the audience of how did you go about having the career that you have? The real truth is, is that I had broken hearts myself. I had disappointments in relationships. So when I moved to Los Angeles many years ago, I started interviewing experts and then I realized that, you know, many, many people had blocks to love. So I went back to school to study neurolinguistic programming and I was also studying spiritual principles, manifesting and, and all the spiritual stuff back in the eighties, you know, and nineties, um, I moved to Los Angeles in 1988 and started studying with Reverend Michael Beckwith, Agape. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but and it just transformed the way I was thinking because the pain in my heart led me from my lineage. Uh, there was a lot of infidelity weaved into the generations of my family. So I had a protected heart. So I figured if I could heal myself, then I could share what I did with other people to get real about what could be blocking them from finding love or keeping love or fears, you know, after being hurt. So it's been an adventure. Uh, I started teaching men back in 1992, and that was also an insight for all the women out there that most of the men, depending on their age groups, um, didn't really have a lot of training. And I became one of the very first coaches for men back in 1992. So I've been doing this a very long time, <laughs> and quite, I love quite it. a bit. <laughs> love it. <laughs> well, guys, like I told you, I do have a phenomenal guest today. And right there, we have the proof. But let's actually dive in a little bit because you did mention family and a lot of, you know, of females, males, there's family trauma always that keeps us blocked or has us pull those walls up. And sometimes we are we don't want to shatter those walls to get to know somebody deeply, or we're scared to do that. And we miss on amazing opportunities that being a long term partner, or just a couple of months relationship that you can learn a lot from. Where do mm -hmm. we start to recover from the trauma and digest it so we can move forward? Well, I have a book called Get Real About Love. And basically what I did was reveal what I have done to heal myself. And it's very personal. Because when you see your mother or your father, you know, go through trauma and you grow up hearing yelling or there was abuse or your mother was, 
drinking or your father was abusive. I don't know what your situation is, or you saw them not really be connected and you thought to yourself, wow, that's not what I want. So the role models of the people that you saw when you were young, I actually did a TEDx about it. And I would invite anybody to go to look at The Power of Your Love Lineage, which is going to be my next book. So what happened was that I I started, um, as I was healing, going through metaphysical studies and looking at um, a hypnotherapist and an NLP practitioner, I went to school for all these years and I kept popping up all these heart pains in, in my mind and memory. So what happens when you're a child or a little kid, when something traumatic happens, whether it's with your mom or your grandmother or somebody in your family, or even you, even in high school, maybe somebody rejects you or tells you you're, you're ugly and they don't like you or whatever. It stores in your mind forever. It, it gets stored in the mind. And what happens is the belief that gets stored young, you might think, oh, oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. Or you'll see trauma where you see like me, for example, when I was only six or seven, a few of my mother's sisters were going through divorces and they used to come to my mom's house and they would cry. And I was sneaking down on the steps to listen. And they'd say, they're all liars. They're all mean. They all cheat. So I heard that over and over and over. So it got injected into my mind and I had my little Barbie and Ken, just like all little girls do when they're growing up. And I thought, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to become independent and I'm not going to trust anybody. And that's not healthy for a little girl. But my aunts didn't know. My mother didn't know that I was there. Then my grandmother would run up the stairs, hearing the noise up in the kitchen and say, they're all liars, bastards, and blah, 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 blah. And I would hear all this sadness. So it put sadness into my little heart. So we all have some imprints. They're called imprints, right? So that's where it begins. And then what you're believing, then you then start to manifest in your life, even as a young kid, you know, fears of being liked, uh, shy, you know, and I remember I was never that way. I was always an extroverted person. I just could see the pain in people. I'm a very, I'm an empath. And, you know, frankly, I'm kind of psychic. I've always been that way. And if you read my book, you'll hear the stories, but I really believe that this is my mission on this planet to tell my story. So it shows anyone that's out there listening or watching me, I am just like you. I had traumas in my life. I had challenges, but I had a beautiful life. I grew up Italian. But as I grew up, I saw so many people have families that were broken. And that's where it starts. And I kind of want to stick in a little bit because you said six years old at a very young age, you're like, you told yourself, I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to be independent. I'm going to do this and this, and I will not be dependent on somebody or I'll not let somebody, you know, necessarily yay or, you know, be accountable, be accounted on somebody else. You want to be you as a unit. This show is sponsored by Sales Law of Averages online course. The course is a business development course teaching sales professionals and entrepreneurs how to master their sales funnel through sales and negotiation techniques. We all work hard on our leads, but unfortunately often fail to convert those leads to sales. Well, now you can say goodbye to those days. Order the course today at connectwithromina.com forward slash courses to get a deep discount. Receive access to over 40 videos, five hours of training material, and study 
already even movie negotiation scenes today for just $79. Use the promo code Romina, which is spelled R-O-M-I-N-A at checkout. Again, the website is connectwithromina.com forward slash courses and use the promo code Romina, that's spelled R-O-M-I-N-A at checkout. Master your sales today. But that's masculine energy. And this is what we're seeing a lot on today's society. And I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Um, I, I mean, I moved to America at a very young age by myself. I had to make it by myself uh, one way or another. I kind of learned, and especially after my divorce, that I feel like I lost my identity. Now I'm fully in my masculine energy. And I didn't realize it till a deep conversation with a good friend of mine. But that's not attractive to the, to the partner that we're trying to attract. So how do we females, the alpha females personalities, they are in that masculine energy because in their mind is, um, it's a survival mode. Yes. How do we jump into the feminine energy without losing our independence at the same time, if we can even do that? Well, first the of question all, was because, like at the same that's time. a long question because it's a loaded question. But the truth is I was one of the, I call them wonder women, like, you see them, they're, they're, they're a little guarded. They're out there, you know, busting butt in their careers. But when it comes to men, they even have a guard there too, or they have such a perfection of what they expect, right? So I was one of those women. Uh, and believe me, I didn't get married until I was 45 years old. And there's a reason for it. I pioneered the first speed dating company. I wrote two books. I was running networking events. I'm speaking at conferences. So men, when I went and did a review, so this is the answer within the story, right? So as I was, um, you know, creating all these things to bring people together, because I found that many people were really bad at meeting. So I created community events so people could meet and I ended up matching hundreds of people. And then I pioneered rapid dating. But I also realized that part of my heart through the years I was so busy and just like a masculine frequency, I would meet somebody that gave me the sparkle. I get involved a little too quickly and then my heart would get broken because I wasn't taking enough time to really evaluate whether that person could handle me. Okay. So women that call me or men like these really strong powered men, all of the men that I taught, I taught at the Learning Annex in Los Angeles for 13 years. Most of the men, depending on the age group, right? So because I'm older than 50, that's all I'll say. I worked with people at Rapid Dating in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. They all came to different age group events. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed was the women that were between 40 and 50 had become Wonder Women. The men that were 10 years older that are dating them never had training from their moms that were from the 50s, right? So these are this is more for the older crowd, right? So the women that are now in their 50s, if they're listening to this, or 40s, a lot of the guys that are a couple 10 to 20 years older than are old school, and we are still these strong wonder women. So there's a disconnect between the energy frequencies of those people. So I always say to the really amazing women that I coach and men to really open up to see that that Wonder Woman, that the, the people that are out there striving, usually look at the, how they were wired from their families so that you can find out what makes them tick, right? What makes you tick? Like what made you so driven to want to come to America, to make it on your own 
that is a survival thing, right? That's a survival thing because you saw your mother maybe not have a good marriage. I don't know. But no, a lot both of my parents were in businesses. They were co-partners in everything. So I got yeah. the drive because I sold them good as good partners together. So yeah. I'm like, I'm going to make it good and then combine with somebody and drive even further. That's my right. idea till this day. <laughs> well, I have that. I do have that. I have a husband that's very driven and he loved that I was driven. Mm -hmm. But when I was, um, when I was doing it on my own, I didn't know until I asked men that I dated or ran into men that I did date that backed out. Why didn't they pick me? And they said, you just did not seem available to give me the kind of love that I was looking for. You were too busy doing your career. And I said, well, we never got involved enough for me to be able to share that other part. So every Wonder Woman out there, every Superman, every really driven person has a little boy and a little girl inside of them. I don't care how successful you are. I work with presidents of companies. And I said, do you have a little boy inside of you? And they're like, like a five-year-old nods, right? So don't you have a little girl like at night? You're like, God, I just worked all day, 20 hours. I did radio shows. I'm, I'm at the top of the list. And then they're like, but where is somebody special for me to share it with, right? So there could be a wall of from being hurt because you may have jumped. When I look at the patterns of busy people, they almost want love. Like, let's just do this. Let's yeah. do this. Like, they're like, okay, I met a guy. He's really hot. We have chemistry. I'm going to just jump into this. And I'm like, wait, what about his values? What about your vision? Do you know what you really want? Is it just because you're lonely? So what get real about love is, is to look at the phase of life that a person's in. Everybody's in a situation. You're either open to love and you're like, wow, I really want to find you're building your career and you're like this. And then a handsome dude or a beautiful woman comes into your life and you get blindsided because the little boy or little girl's lonely. And then you jump in too fast. Then you find out, for example, I look Jewish. I'm Italian. So Jewish men really liked me and they would be like, oh my God, you're such a pretty girl, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but you're Jewish. I am not Jewish. So tell me about your lineage of your family or your parents really very strict Jewish people. And they would say, yes. And I said, well, then I don't think that this would work out in the long run yeah. because of your wiring of your family. Let me meet your mother first. And they'd say, oh, my mother would love you. I said, she might love me, but I work a lot and my eggs are not Jewish. My, your children will not be Jewish. I'm Italian. So you got to look at yourself and it, it's really a a deep dive into your heart, looking at your heart, looking at how you were raised and the things that could be blocking you or driving you to be who you are. Now, let me play the devil's advocate here for a second, because you have people that have their walls up by a lot, or you have people that don't have their walls up, but they're want to be selective in a way, for example, like what are my negotiables, non-negotiables in life? What are my values? Do our energy align? Can we yeah. have a free flow conversation? And sometimes, even though if you are at that stage, often it gets stuck and it's that a, the attraction at the beginning is there, but the retention long-term is not. Why is yeah. this happening a lot in especially today's dating world? Well, I think that people rush into love. And if you go to my blog, it says, why rush into love? 
you really don't know somebody. It takes months before you really know that. I mean, when we first meet, it's all happiness. And I like to ski and you like to dive and you like to do this. And I like this. And we, we like the same religion or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it takes time to uncover and unpack the, um, you know, because guys will say, I met this amazing girl or I met this amazing guy. And then after about three or four weeks, she started to get really possessive. She started to get jealous. She started to be insecure. And she's this president of a company or an attorney or a radio producer. But you don't really know the heart pains of somebody or the triggers of somebody until you date for a while. And you actually get to look at their lifestyle and the way that they live every day in their life. So all the romance that's on, you know, people do the algorithms and they match with people and they go, oh my God, people call me and they go, I think I met my soulmate. And I go, have you really, you you went out on two dates. Why are you rushing? And they're like, I've been so lonely and the chemistry's so hot. I just think this is it. This is That's the dangerous zone. I feel like it's danger. If you have chemistry, when I met my husband, he's beautiful. He's everything I visioned. I'll have to even show you. I brought my vision board of what I had visioned him to be. And- yes, we talked offline about this, you guys, the audience that we did talk offline. So yes, I definitely want to see that too. And uh, I, I actually have my wedding picture up in the kitchen, but he, you know, he had rushed into love, um, his second marriage. And he really was, he knew actually inside of his gut that it wasn't right, but he was working a lot and he was flying here. He was work for Oracle. He was traveling around the world and he did get a little bit pressured, like to make a commitment, you know? So commitment uh, to me, love, making the choice of your partner is the most important choice of your life. So why, if you spent years becoming a lawyer, you spent years, you know, to, to hone your craft, you have to make sure that that person supports you in what you do. And they're proud of you and what you do instead of try to change you once you get married or once you get in a relationship. And that takes time to see, like, Imagine me, I coach men, I take men shopping, and then I started doing rapid dating. Men were like, you're like a dating guru. I, I can't date you. You're going to critique me. And I said, I'm not going to critique you. I want you to accept me for what I do. You know, I I am this, but underneath it all is just someone that wants love. I want you to love my family. And family was first. So my work makes you, whoever's listening, get to know yourself so well that just because you feel that spark doesn't mean that you, you know, that's it for you. You have to kind of check it out first by being really cognizant of the questions that you ask and your vision, being really clear on your vision without pushing anybody. And then just sit back and see what happens over time rather than trying to push it into three dates. Most people sleep together after the third date. That's what I hear. I mean, I've, coached hundreds and hundreds of people. They call, they say, oh my God, you changed my algorithms. I met all these men and now I'm dating. And I think he's the one. And I said, did you sleep with him? I said, this only happened two weeks ago. Are you already? I said, we've locked it down, which means we've slept together. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden he pulled away and I go, well, maybe he's scared. You know, you guys don't have a foundation. You haven't built a foundation of trust and a foundation. That doesn't mean you can't have sexual energy. So that's what happens when you're a Wonder Woman. Sometimes you're so much in your masculine that at the end of the day, like I used to be on TV all the time during rapid dating. And then 
I was so like excited. And then at the end of the day, I was like, I don't have anybody to share this with, you know, like I, I would, the, the feminine side of me would say, wow, I, I went and knocked it out of the park, you know, just like a guy, I'm going to go do this. Right. But then at the end of the day, the men that I was dating said, you never had time. You always were rushing. You seemed like your career was more important than me. And I didn't realize that I was coming off that way because I was so excited about what I was doing. So I went back and interviewed men. And in my book, it says, go back. And if you run into people that you dated before, go ask them what it was like to date you. That's interesting because I've done that. (laughs) Isn't it interesting? What did they say about you? Um, So after my divorce, because my husband was like, my my ex-husband was my first boyfriend. Um, after my divorce, I dated two people that like changed my life a lot just because of what they told me uh, and the way they'll treat me and like the whole, you know, thing. Um, one of them was just very kind of short to the dry. Uh, I didn't really digest. But the other one said pretty much like the time spent together. It was like time spent with a best friend. It just you when you're an adult and you live coast to coast. Uh, it's just not possible sometimes like it and that's why that's why I'm a big believer now that you might be dating somebody for a couple of months and get a lot of life lessons for it and get learn a lot get to know more create different relationship but it doesn't mean that when you break up with that person it's the end of the world because you try to get the lesson what you learned from that relationship alone because at least to that ex I learned a lot throughout their relationship and I take this knowledge with me and he learned a lot. We were both kind of damaged from divorces. So we were there together for about a year and we helped each other, you know, look at things to heal. Exactly. To heal until this day, we still keep in touch. Like, Hey, how are you? Hope everything is well. You know, if you're in this coast or if I'm on your coast, like, you know, we'll catch up, but it's no, like, I'm not a believer that you have to hate your ex either. I don't believe you have to hate your ex because I also believe whenever you ask people, tell me about your ex, if they say, oh, he or she was crazy or did this, that's a red flag for me. Mm. At least for me. I don't know how you look at it. For me, that's a red flag because you are disrespecting your time with that person because I'm sure you thought that person was the right person at a certain point, you know? But some people have admitted, I was a wedding planner. My father Mm. was a caterer. I used to dress the bride, do their hair. That's why you say you're so picky about everything because I used to make everybody look perfect, right? And But the most important thing, I would be dressed, putting the makeup on and doing the hair. And I'd say, so tell me about Steve. You know, why are, you know, today's your most important day, you know? And they go, well, it was seven years. I figured we might as well just do it. And I'd be like, oh my God, you know? And, and I have this theory I used to go to the back of the church, fluff the girl's gown, and I'd look up at the groom as she was walking. And I could tell just from the look on his face, whether he was all in or he was scared to death, you know, and I would say to my dad, dad, I don't think this guy really wanted to do this. Like you can tell or the bride, you know, and I'd be at weddings and I would look at the bride and groom and you could tell like the guy looks like he just got like put in jail or something. You know, it's it's a big vow. You're vowing to someone to be faithful for the rest of your life. But some people do it because of the pressure of their culture, pressure of their family because they've been dating someone so long. Or women think, oh, God, well, I've dated him five years. My eggs are getting extinct and I got to have a baby. So I might as well hurry up and get married. That is not a good reason to get married. 
marriage to me, my marriage is very sacred. We get married every year. Um, we have a whole new uh, ceremony every year. I wear white and we make a big deal out of our love because I want to keep it spicy and sacred, you know? So for all of you that are single, that have any heart pain, it's time for you to look at the patterns maybe that you created in your life based on some of your imprints uh, or hurt so that you can heal from it. Some people that I talk to are still ruminating over someone from 10 to 15 years ago, and they haven't let their heart be open enough. Um, so that's when they become the, the wonder women that have the defense and they make it almost impossible for a man or, or a lover to come into their life because they have this fear, mistrust. So on the back of the book, it says, open your heart to trust in love again. So if something didn't work out, it was something in your mind that may have caused or pushed him or her away. So you have to do an evaluation of your own heart. So when people buy the book, I tell them they need to buy a heart and then inside there's vows to vow that you're going to be honest with yourself about how this all went down so that when you meet people um, and they ask you questions about your past, you can say, I've learned so like you have the perfect answer. You know, it might not have worked out with my husband, but we had a really extraordinary learning experience from it instead of he was such a jerk. And I knew. Well, the anger was there at first. Like, I'm not going to lie and sit here and lie. The anger was there at first. Yeah. But I feel like the more self-development I got to do and the more yes. I got to look inside of me. Um, now, if you were to ask me, Remy, now would you would you be OK, go through what you went through? And I'd say absolutely yes, because I love where I stand right now. And yeah. I would not be I would not think the way I think right now or act or just, you know, my life would not be where it is if I didn't go through that. So I'm yeah. appreciative of that. But I want to also ask you, because a lot of people have the end goal, the marriage. When yeah. myself, I have my end goal, life partner. So yeah. why is the marriage such a thing that sometimes breaks relationships? Instead, you can have the perfect partner. But I'm going to say, devil's advocate, let's not get the government involved in our paperwork because it's a contract you're signing. Yeah. So why does that ruin a lot of relationships sometimes? Is it the pressure? Is it the scare, like being scared? What, what is, what is it? Well, you know, you got to think about our parents didn't live as long as we're living. You know, most people were only married for like 20 or 30 years and they died. Life expectancy. Of disease, yeah. You know, we're living years and years and years. And when you really think about living with somebody forever, you know, I'm glad I waited until I was older to get married because I had fun when I was single. You know, if you're single, don't look at it as a curse. It's a learning experience, you know, like look at it as an adventure and every person you meet, the more you know yourself, all you have to do is have a list of 20 questions to ask them and you could go bye-bye, you know? So it's all really about whether marriage is really for you. I mean, I, I wrote in my book, Get Real, we all have choices. You could be a person that knows you cannot be monogamous. And if you meet somebody that likes monogamy, don't lie just because you want to have sex or you feel attraction. So it's about being honest about you. If you know that your eyes are, are always going to be looking out at other men or women, then be honest. You know, there's, there's, you know, polyamorous relationships, there's swingers. There's also, I've interviewed everybody, you know, they're, they're all, everybody has their goal and everybody has a focus, but unless you find out about it and talk out 
really honestly and get real. Like, that's why I get a lot of people that are dating. Like there's a client of mine right now. She's been um, divorced for five years. She hasn't dated in five years. She didn't know how to date before she met her husband. She knew that she wasn't in love with her husband, but because of her culture, you know, she was Japanese. They wanted her to marry a doctor. So she did. And she wasn't happy, but she had a beautiful son. And now she's back in the world again. And when she read this, she said, this is something that everybody should read because I didn't know myself this well. Yeah. I didn't know what, what, I, what I was doing, but I'm smart. She was a Wonder Woman. She became a lawyer and she's a mother. And now she met this beautiful man. And instead of rushing in, like she did when she got married, they're taking their time. And they are asking each other the questions about sex. They're talking about, you know, the goals and visions that they, to see if their lives fit, you know, to see if their lives fit. And I did that with my own husband. He lived 3000 miles away. So I, I believe in anything is possible. All about, it's all about communication. But if you haven't had something to show you what to ask, then, and you still have heart pain from the past, it's going to show up over and over and over. And you might meet the perfect guy, but your heart isn't healed. So he'll feel it or she'll feel it. And they'll call me and they'll say, I met this woman and she was perfect. I thought she was perfect. And then I saw her jealousy monster show up at dinner the other night when one of my business associates came over to our table, her face locked up and she was like, who was that? And I thought, oh no, she's jealous, you know? So you really have to examine your beautiful heart. Anybody that's watching this, if you have doubt about yourself, doubt about love, doubt from what you saw, and then when you heal it and go back to the source, like I went to my grandmother, all my great aunts, my mother's sisters, and I asked them what happened. It was life-changing what, what I heard, what I heard from them. Well, kind of to jealousy point, I'm a believer that people that are jealous are also insecure. I'm not a jealous person in friendship and relationships, but I am like, for example, I'll just break down myself. I am the person that if I, if I have jealousy, I will tell you, Hey, this triggered a little, like aside, of course, and like, Hey, this triggered a little jealousy. This is how I felt. I would appreciate it. If you know, don't push the boundaries. These are my boundaries. If you do it intentionally, that's a different topic. But yes. you have to have those conversations aside. But I also am a believer that jealousy is caused because of insecurities. Well, also jealousy is caused from people being hurt from someone that said they were faithful and then they weren't. So when you've been deceived, and I have been deceived quite a few times. If you read my book, the man I met before my husband lied to me for nine months about his wife. And um, I, I, I was so busy at the time. It took us a really long time to get romantically involved. And you know what he said? He said, I kept saying to him, he'd say, I got to take this call. I'll be right back. And I said, say hi to your wife for me. Cause he never let me see his home. He was very vague about what was going on in his life. And I just kept saying, I think you're married. Now, he wasn't honest with me. He wasn't yeah. honest because this is what he said. He said, when I dated you, I thought you were going to be just like all the other girls. Three dates, sleep with you, and I'd be done. He called it. He goes, I like to flip girls. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, three dates, flip, three dates, flip, you know, so there's, there's this perception in, in all these dating coaches that teach men how to have game and how to make a woman feel connected so that 
by the third date, you've locked her down. Now that doesn't mean you love her. That means you got laid, right? So if you're looking to get laid, sure, you can manipulate someone, but that causes people pain again and again. So the walls get thicker and thicker and thicker. So when you got triggered, right? So you went to your husband or your boyfriend and said, wow, the other night, you know, when we were at that party, there was a girl while I went to the bathroom and you looked like, you know, you were kind of flirting with her and my heart, you know, made my heart feel a little weird. And he would say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, she came on to me. I'm sorry. Now I host huge events. I was speaking at a conference and I saw this like supermodel go walking over to my husband with these big boobies and she's flashing her boobies at him and everything. And he would just stand there. I could tell he was totally uncomfortable. And then he'd kind of go like, I could see he was going, I'm married, you know, and then he points over at me and the girl kind of got like this look on her face, you know, but men, men, you know, everybody likes to have somebody be attracted to them. And it does get, I call it the, I call it um, the juice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, so I go into a room and, you know, I'm running these parties and men will come over and go, Oh, you Renee. And they'll say, you look really pretty. Oh, makes me feel good. Right. So, but there's a boundary where you could go too far, you know? So my husband and I both talked about that. Exactly. You need to have those conversations. You have to talk about it. Everybody's everybody's definition is different, even though they're generalized. Everybody's definition of cheating, of communicating, open communication, of accountability, of jealousy, they're different. You need to have those conversations. And that's what I see. At least in my generation, people are not having those conversations. And then you go to this high catalog of other options, such as online dating, that you just left and right, left and right. And then you can choose whatever you want instead of actually working things through with who is in front of you. Well, that's why if you rush into love and the person gets you sleep with somebody knowing like when people say, well, we went out on three dates and I go, okay, you went to the movies, you had dinner. And then you went, you hiked for four hours and went to lunch. And in six and a half or seven hours, you've made a decision that this could be somebody really special, special to you. But do you know how they live? Do you know where they work? Do you know anybody that knows them? Have you met their family? You know, because when you get close like that, you feel like there's some type of an agreement without speaking about it. So it's all about communication, honesty, and and a lot of people don't do that. They, they're afraid to speak up for themselves. So if you know, like women always say to me, I know I get attached when I sleep with somebody, just don't have intercourse. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a little intimate with someone as long as you're not getting too bonded to them. But it's proven scientifically, and I'm sure you've heard it again and again, that when you have intercourse, you, you know, all the you know, uh, the chemicals get set off and you, the oxytocin is set inside of you and you feel like you're attached to somebody that you don't even know. So if you know that that happens, don't do that. Just wait, just wait. That doesn't mean you can't make out and snuggle and build the, the feminine energy of touching and saying, you're so handsome. I'm very attracted to you, but I'm just not ready yet. I don't know you well enough. And guys, if they're if they're really serious about you, uh, and listen, people out there, I have pa- panels, man panels, and I bring bad boys on, players on, husbands on, and they all say the same thing. If a woman's going to drop her panties or a man's going to, you know, 
men, men will take it. We'll take the sex if you're going to let us have it. You know, if you don't talk about it, I don't know what you want. And if we're drunk on your couch and it happens, you allow it to happen or I allow it to happen, you know? So be a big boy and girl about it and talk about it so that you don't hurt somebody because you, you're really probably just doing it because you're lonely. Now, look, we've all been in the house, you know, for a year. People are finally dating. We've had the masks. We can't even see each other. Now people are finally resurfacing. I think that the coronavirus gave us all an opportunity to do a deeper dive into our hearts about what we want, about what's missing, about the lack of self-love that we might have for ourselves and looking at some of the patterns. At least this is what my clients that I've been coaching have said, that this has been like an eye-opening experience. Have you heard that through your work on your radio show? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of a, <laughs> this is a running joke, at least in my friendship circle, uh, because th- we said at the beginning, we're going to see what relationship is strong and what is not, because mm-hmm. we've seen the divorce rates also go up. But absolutely, because you get finally that one-on-one time that, you know, maybe you've been trying to avoid, unfortunately, or maybe you've been craving Mm -hmm. it so much. And this is where it actually shows how deep the fundamentals and, you know, the connection is there too. But another question that I wanted to ask you is because I'm sure guys and girls out there, um, you know, we all have this list in our head of what we're looking for. But what do you do with a list if it's only 70% perfect partner that you've been looking for? There is no perfect person. You know, it depends on your top. I, I have like my top core values for myself. And I always ask, do you know your top core values? And it's, if it's just, oh, she had, he has to be tall. He has to have money. He has to have this. Then you're looking if at the, the list list. starts with, he has to be tall. I, my, my opinion on that person has, unfortunately, it's like you are very superficial. Shallow Hal or shallow girl. If, like, like any of the girls, there's like, oh, it's over six foot. Have it. Goodbye. Like that's very shallow in my opinion. I have to say it because I'm tired of girls saying it has to be six foot tall. Well, you know, if you really look, you know, there was a, there's a, what is her name? Uh, she was saying that there really is only a certain amount of men that are that tall in the world, you know? So it's, it's from like a the movie, pool, right? Pool isn't all tall men. Now I just so happened to marry a tall man, um, but I've dated shorter guys and they were fine too. You know, they actually fit a little better. You know, people see my husband and they go, how does that work? Cause he's six foot two and I'm five foot two, you know? But um, the point is, is that it's the values, the core values and how they treat the people in your life and how, you know, spiritually, eating habits. I have a whole chapter of the things I'll I'll open it up about, you know, that list that everybody makes it's aligning of vision. How do you describe them? Like, what about sparkling eyes and a smile that melts you? You know, what about his style? You know, like he might have a great style. There's so I, I like men with style because I like to do image makeovers, but I like a casual man. I like everything. What do you, prefer, you know, some people, my aunt Carmela likes men, men with big bellies and she's married in both two of her husband died and she married Frank and she goes, he has the belly that I love. And I was like, wow. So everybody has a different style, but really a lot of it has to do with chemistry, the actual chemistry, the smell of a person, 
They're, to me, it's the eyes. It's eyes. I love sparkling eyes and Like, smiles. I need to see, like, a connection in the eyes, mm-hmm. the communication, a free-flow conversation, which a lot of people... I talk a lot, y'all. Like, you guys know this already. You're um, auditory. You're a high auditory person. Yes. I, I want to have continuous conversation. Let's talk about the universe. Let's talk about anything under the sun. Why not? Let's teach me something new. I'm a, like a big turn on for a lot of my friends. And for me, it's if we are on a date and this person teaches us something new about the world, universe, science or whatever, we're like, mm-hmm. okay, so you're not just good looking. You're actually smart. That's what get us when a lot of girls, unfortunately, um, I feel like also or a lot of guys just look at the, oh, you're pretty. That's all I care about. We need to dive deeper. Yeah. You guys, if we're looking for a life partner, the superficial stuff is there superficial. We're going to, you know, get older we're like it's the spirit it's the spirit that matters at the end of the day it's the person that matters um now i did want to ask you also a lot of people sometimes whenever they reach that status of i don't give an f anymore screw this they've been hurt before how do we protect our fragile souls before we reach that point because that's a dangerous point for men and women that once they reach their point, they don't even care. They, the perfect person, you know, falls in their lap. They're like, I don't care. Screw this. How do we protect ourselves before we get there? It, it's not protecting yourself. It's opening up to why it happened. Mm. Okay. There's, there's things, like I said, we were talking about the storage of your mind. If you believe that you were going to get hurt, even when it started, when you saw things in your past, you have a belief. So you may have one part of you that believes in love. So I always ask people, and maybe anybody that's listening, how much of a percentage of you today, no matter what phase of love you're in, believes that love exists? Like, are are you 50-50, 60-40, you know, 70% no, 30-20? You're 80-20. So you got 20% that still has a little bit of doubt in there, you know? No, it's not necessarily doubt. Uh, For people that may be like higher on the love, it's not necessarily doubt. It just love needs work. And the 20%, I feel like it's not just the chemistry. It's the feeling is there, but also it's a lot of work that goes around it. It's not something that's like, it's perfect. Here you go. Have it. A special order. (laughs) Well, you know, because you got to remember women like to talk a lot. Some men do not process that way. I had to learn my husband is one of those guys that he needs to come home, get undressed, eat. So I I have actually, it's so funny because I brought this article. Um, It's about how couples can stay in stink and sink, right? People complain like they say the seven year itch, you know, my husband doesn't, you know, nurture me anymore. He doesn't talk to me the way he used to, you know, when you get married, you're all perfect and you're trying to be perfect all the time. And then over the years, I've been with my husband now 18 years and people see us and they say, how do you keep that spark? How do you keep that spark through stress? We've had deaths, we've had illness, we've had all sorts of crazy stuff over this last, we both almost died a couple of years ago. I had an infection in my tooth that almost killed me. He got hit by a car and dislocated both of his shoulders and could have died in the accident. And we try to look at all the blessings and count our blessings every single day, even when he has stuff at work going on or I have stuff. So we're here as partners in life to support each other. So I have these sacred rituals that we do when we get out of sync. Um, 
We need, you need to be present with each other. So when he has stuff on his mind, I know when he's really busy and he has stuff on his mind, or I'm like that, I go in and say, honey, I love you. And I know you want my attention right now, but I'm finishing this project. Yeah. And I promise, I promise, and I'll put on something sexy that, you know, I'm going to pay attention to you. And, you know, tomorrow night is the night, you know, so you have to, but what people do is they get angry when their partner pulls away, but usually it's either from job stress, money stress, maybe they're not taking care of themselves. They're not working out anymore and they haven't been taking care of themselves because they lost their job. You have to look at the whole picture. So I always, you know, I work with a lot of couples too. And I always say, this is the person that you've chosen to love and be with, right? So if they're, if you're at a sink, somebody has to take the lead to then say, let's get back in sync. Let's try to discuss this at a certain time. But if you do it in the wrong timing or the wrong tone of your voice, or you try to push somebody to talk when they have something going on that's really important, it's, it's all about when it's presented, when it's presented, right? So um, my husband and I have like sort of rituals that we do. We talk about what caused the situation, what was the backstory, and we have all these things like what's so the gone discovery phase? Yeah, like like what's the intention that we're sitting together tonight? Why did I upset you? Why did you upset me? What happened? You know, or what is the back end of it? Mm-hmm. His boss, you know, said something, or maybe something happened with a business partner of mine, or whatever. And I remember when I had a business uh, breakup about. Uh, 10 years ago, I really was affected by it. I was affected by it. So you, you have to make love your priority in your relationship. And when you can't, because you're focused on work to allow the person to know that you're, you're haven't forgotten them, you know? So this is why I brought this heart because this heart represents, um, to me, sometimes when we would get disconnected, we would need to have a heart to heart. So instead of saying, we need to talk. We, you know, I'll set the heart down on his desk, or sometimes I'll see it on my bed or next to the bed, which means it's time for us to get connected again, you know? Yeah. And uh, prayer. I love that idea. Yeah. It's a heart to heart. Like, you, you know, let's put the heart on and let's get back connected. So when couples that I help get married, I always give them a heart and remind them that this is the stone you know, to make sure that you stay connected to that heart that you committed to. And if you're not committed to it anymore, then you need to be honest because people, sometimes they have dis, they have disengaged from their marriage because they aren't happy and they're not being honest about it. And then the other person feels that betrayal. And that's where the hurt comes in. Yes. Divorce is hard. I work with almost all my clients are divorced and they go, I'm never going to love again. And I said, but look how young you were when you got married. You didn't even know what you were doing. You got married. You didn't even know yourself. You didn't even know yourself. So that's what this book is. Get to know yourself. Get real about what you want. And And my husband, when he met me, he said, I will never, ever get married again. I never want to do that because he had two marriages that weren't so happy and I said to him, well, that is what I want. I'm, I'm looking for a long-term committed relationship. So maybe we shouldn't date, but we can be friends. And we got to know each other over time. And then things did change because he was still looking at his patterns 
yeah. um, because of being a one in Superman running, running, running. And I think he, he realized that he had rushed into his second marriage. So we just didn't rush and we got to build a foundation. So there are certain things like people have said to me when I initially met Bob, I wasn't attracted to him because he was a little, I don't know, he was shorter than the guy and he was this and he was that. But then my mom got sick and he took her to the hospital and then he came back and he, and he helped me take care of her. And then he was so warm and loving. I couldn't believe it. And I fell in love with him, his soul, his spirit. And then it made us bond, you know, and that happened with me too. My father had a heart attack four months after I met Joe and he came and carried my father into the shower when he got home and bathed him and put him in bed because he was a beast and he was the only one that could lift him. And my father said, where did you find this man? You know, did God send him to you? You know, he's so wonderful. And then he fed the homeless. He was involved with charities and there was so much depth to him that even though we had this long distance, we built a foundation of trust and love and got to know each other's souls first. And it deepened our love and solidified the let's get over the obstacles and make it work. I mean, that that itself, it gives you a lot more than, you know, oh, you're handsome, this and that. You're getting down to who you really want to be, your life partner, who you want to be associated with, somebody that you call like, this is my husband. Is he there? Yeah, he just walked <laughs> into the room. All right, you guys, so Joe is in the room. We're going to dive in and actually ask Joe those spicy questions that all females want to ask. So let's get to it. Let me ask you a question as a couple. What's the advice that you'd give to people that are freshly dating each other and maybe they're looking into a life partner instead of just a temporary boyfriend or girlfriend? What qualities should they look for? You want me to go first? Yes. You know, it's it's funny. I think you can learn a lot about someone by getting to know their relationship with their parents. And so I always start with, even if the parents have been deceased or what have you, you learn a lot about that relationship. If there is tension or issues, it's important to understand what they are because they could be indicators of what to expect in the future. Not looking into them or understanding them can cause heartache later, or at least cause issues later that would need to be addressed. So the more you get to know, the more you know. And, you know, I always found that it was easier to deal with someone. Like, for example, if a partner was used to uh, perhaps maybe uh, an abusive relationship between parents, that's what they're used to, what they're accustomed to. How they communicate, that each parent communicates with each other and understanding how that relationship will is will tell me how that person you know will be communicating to me. So that would be my advice. But you know, you ask it in subtle, quiet ways. You don't just say, "Hey, tell me about your parent relationship," because <laughs> I want to understand exactly, really, what makes you tick. No, it's more than that, and that's just one key metric. And you may have some thoughts too. Well, we we I, were talking about the love lineage, and okay, you know, sure. the the yeah. way you know the way the mm-hmm. parents are our reflections in the future, you know, how you're going to react or I'm going to react. And, um, and I know you've had, you know, some issues, um, in the past with, you know, one of your former wives or whatever. Um, well, but you know, but here's the thing is you don't have to have been married before you could be dating and have rela- issues in a relationship as you're dating. And these things will still come up. And, uh, because there are a lot of people who don't get married and, and that's their option. 
But regardless, whether you marry that person or not, you, it's important to understand it. I would even do it even for a personal guy friend, buddy of mine, understand it. Because even that would tell so me you a little bit You can understand the person better. Yeah. But a guy's perspective, at least in my, like I'm Albanian, but in Albania, like once you meet the parents, as official, all that crazy stuff. But in my head, it's, you, I would love to, for the, you know, whoever I'm dating to meet my parents and I'd love to meet their parents to see how the dynamics is and mm -hmm. to see if I even like their family because you don't necessarily have to like everybody. But guys, I feel like get scared whenever I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, just come over to like, you know, my dad is here. I don't care. It's fine. You can say hi. Everybody, like all my friends love my dad. You can just, you know, go outside, have a beer, talk about, you know, him being in military, whatever. But a lot of guys are scared of that. Where does that come from? Or is it, is it I, I, the I, way I, that I think I, not normal? Well, I, I think part of the fear is it's not so much the fear of medium. It's fear of being ready because they may not be ready to meet the parents because they know it in their mind when you meet them, it's a lot harder to break up. And so I wouldn't necessarily be too anxious to meet someone else's parents yet. I would like to understand it, but I want to get to know you first. Tell me about you. I want to understand you so that it, and understand your relationship because then when I do meet these people, when the time is right, if we even get to that point, then it's going to be much better. Now, if it is right, then it makes a lot of sense. I didn't meet Renee's parents until, I mean, I wanted to take some time to get to know, her, well, her father at the time, until I got to know her. Now, we spent a well, lot correct. of Well, correct. You know, making yeah. sure that you two are aligned good. I'm not saying you two is like week two, you know. I'm after making sure you two are aligned good. But some people sometimes wait like a year or two years or three years. Yeah. I feel like I feel like in order to get to know somebody within six to nine months, you pretty much get to know if you're going to be together kind of longer term or not. I'm not talking about for life, but longer term. I, I think that's a good that's a good runner. I think if you've been dating someone consistently for six months, I, it's normal to expect that. Hey, or even nine months, it's normal to expect that. You know, it may be time to at least even a Zoom call for goodness sakes. You know, meet my parents. You know. Well, I think some people don't commit that quick. Like I, I said to him in the first three months that I would like him to meet my family because I didn't want to waste time. He was in the middle of a divorce. Mm -hmm. He was separated and already out and he was dating and he met me and I was scared that he might not be ready. So I said, you know, my family's Italian. They're in your face. They're going to ask you a lot of questions. And, and a lot of guys that met my family were kind of intimidated by my big, like Greek fat wedding, you know, the big fat Greek wedding. That's what my family's like. Hello, who are you? you I'm Albanian, fully get it. Like 15 kids on uh, yeah. one side, 10 on the other side. Yeah. And if you can handle that, you can handle me, you yeah. know, like that's what I'm from, a, like a soprano family. That's really fun. You know, Italians. but it's, it's more than that. It, it's, it's, that's just the, the outer layer. It's getting to know the, 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 the siblings, getting to know the family. The, again, the dynamic and even understanding how the, how the, the you know, your siblings, you know, my partner's siblings get along with the family tells me also more about them and more about what to expect from, from Renee. Mm -hmm. So yes, I mean, part of that whole, that whole uh, initial three month contract that we went through, we both committed to meeting the other, the other side, we getting to know each other, being exclusive, of, of course, and just being really razor focused around what we needed to do to figure out whether or not this is worth going forward. Or not. Now, Joe, let me ask you this, that why do guys run away when things get too serious? 
because deep down in their hearts, they're not ready. They're not, this is just, you know, dating is, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It, it you know, sometimes it, you have to date a few people to understand yourself. And if they're just coming out of a relationship, they may have to re kind of understand themselves. If they're new to dating in general, because they're too wrapped around their work or whatever else it may be, it may be that they have to explore themselves a little bit in order to, uh, before they settle down. Now they may not realize that they have a diamond in, in a relationship with you because they're still trying to, they're still trying to get past that first stage. They need to just go out and just kind of be a little wild, if you will. And he was doing yeah. that when I met him. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's sometimes we all get wrapped around the act of, you know, being intimate and it could be very blinding. And so we made a commitment to each other not to do that initially. Let's get to know each other. And I said, you know, you know, I like, to, I need to get to know your heart. If your heart is, if you're, you're half as nice as your brother, who I knew, you know, years, 20 years earlier, we're going to get along great. It ends up being 10 times better, but I love, you know, I love her brother too. He's just, you know, just that's how much. More. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <hope> exactly. So. <laughs> so, but anyway, but, but the point being is that, you know, it's like, you know, you focus on those things and you hopefully raise issues early on so you can walk from it easier. It's every, everybody gets wrapped around the axle, lack of better words. They, you know, everybody gets bent out of shape after sex because then it becomes, oh, maybe it was me. Maybe I didn't perform the way it was supposed to be or whatever. Don't let it be about that. Cause that gets, again, then you feel guilty or whatever else. And then you stay in things for the wrong, all the wrong reasons. Like taking that time. I know it sounds a little hokey and a little bit old fashioned. I'm telling you, it was the best thing I ever did. It was. It was fun. We yeah. had a lot of fun building the yeah. romance and and everybody was like, you guys are so cute, you know, and we we went on vacations and he met my family. My aunt felt his rear. Well, I, that was, I was that so was embarrassed. That was after the fact. I mean, we got we, a family approval. Oh, yeah. yeah. My aunt was like, oh, my God. In fairness, that, that happened months later. So it's like it wasn't like something that was that just that was three months. Or whatever. But yeah. anyway, it, it, the point being is that we got to know each other and yeah. her family. I love them. Um, um, you know, I, I see them, you know, as my family. You know, we treat each other as siblings. You know, it's brothers and family. And they're, you know, Renee's niece, niece and nephews. Are, I, I love them. They're so much fun. So it, it, it's great. And, and by the way, that also, by building those relationships too later on when the time is right, they become the roots, the deep roots that you you embed inside your relationship that keeps that, that, you know, when things go rough, you have that, you can lean back on those deep roots that were built over time. So let me ask you this. Why are guys or why are men scared of being vulnerable? Cause we know females are more vulnerable. Do they feel like it's their matrimonism ego being hurt or what's happening? Uh, I just think that that's an area that men during the course of their lives don't normally explore like women do. And so it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're not used to expressing yourself and making yourself vulnerable, or maybe you didn't see it in a relationship with your parents, it becomes a new thing. And henceforth, the easiest thing to do is, whether it's men or women for that matter, is to not be that way. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of, I call it emotional maturity. And you have to kind of emotionally mature yourself 
and learn from these things before you can actually really take on someone else. And, and not everybody has the emotional intelligence to be in a relationship. And that's part of the, if you kind of that's look deep. About, not everybody is skilled to be in a relationship or yeah, be they, that. Not, they have to learn but, about themselves. Yeah, but skilled and part of the skill to your point is, is understanding, you know, you know, the, the roots, if, if you will, of that, of that person and that person's relationship. And so by understanding it, you then can, you, you, you don't, react to it. You don't make it about you. You realize that this is coming from somewhere else instead of reacting. Oh, you must be mad because I'm doing this. No, no. She's upset because, you know, this is how she processes information because that's what she, how she saw it growing up, yes. good or bad. You know, so I was in a relationship where I couldn't understand why she felt that I wasn't listening unless I was fighting. And so she would escalate things to the points of fighting. And, and once I fought, then she would back off. But I realized, and it didn't, because it, it didn't dawn on me because her mother had, her, her father had passed away when she was very young. Where was this coming from? I realized later it was her aunt and uncle who she stayed with for years during formidable years. And years later, I saw the way she talked to her uncle, you know, beaten down like a, a you know, like a dog like hiding. And I was like, oh my gosh. That's where it's That's coming where she from. learned it. Mm-hmm. That is where she learned it. And it was like this epiphany and my hair on the back of my neck stood up. And it was like, so to answer your question, why are guys that way? It's because they're not used to it. They're not used to um, uh, exposing that aspect or exercising that aspect of their emotions, uh, being real with themselves, if you will, as much as with others. Because frankly, if you can't be real with yourself, how can you get real with love? The, the reason why I actually asked you that question is because I was dating somebody a while back and they shared a very personal story with me. And at, at the end of it, I listened to the whole thing and I was like, how did you cope with it? That was a lot to take in and like 17, 18 years old. Does it still affect you now? Like I'm genuinely interested to make sure he's okay. And he stood there for a second. He said, you know what? This took me courage to tell this to my ex-fiance three years to tell it to her. And I know you for a week and I'm telling you all this vulnerable things. He's like, it's scary. And he never opened up again, uh, Mm -hmm. which was weird. But sometimes I feel like also you need to make the environment open for the other party Mm -hmm. in order for them to tell you. So um, what I'm trying to say by this to you guys, you listeners, is it's not just the person that's opening up. It's also you having that open environment, that open heart and open communication to make them welcome towards a conversation. Because often we tend to feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we tend to feel like we try to find the mistakes on the other people. Why he or she did this to me? Or why are they doing this? Or why this? But we never reflect on our own behavior and our own action. Like, okay, how are we opening the plate for them? How are Mm -hmm. we allowing them to express themselves? Because a lot of times it's always them. For us, it's not easy to accept the fault within ourselves either. Mm-hmm. So a couple points, you know, I would say more than open. It needs to be open. It needs to be safe. Mm-hmm. And you need to be willing to listen. And so um, that, so if you're going to be, it needs to be more than just open because there are open discussions and they end up being fighting. And, and then the second part of that advice is that whenever you're having a disagreement with your partner, you always need to start with the word, uh, and I went through counseling on this. So this is the reason why I knew long before, because I had to learn how to fight fairly because of what was going on in my prior relationship. 
And one of the things they always said is you start with I and then the feeling and then the fact. And if you start with the word you, like you did this, you said this to me. And because you said this, I acted this way. You're already cornering them. That's, that is not what they call fighting fairly. You are making someone feel defensive and immediately the defenses are going to go up as opposed to saying, I feel sad. I really feel sad because. Instead um, of you made me sad. Yes. Well, it, because of this action that took place, the words that you used, you know, there's a little bit of use there. The words that were used made me feel really sad or really hurt. Mm-hmm. And for that, you know, and, and nobody can never dispute. The bottom line is they can't dispute that you're feeling. It's that's why you use the word of feeling afterwards. You know, nobody can dispute that. They could dispute what you may view as a fact, but that's where you get into communication. And that's where you start saying, oh, well, I didn't mean that. I really meant to say this. Oh, I'm glad you told me. That makes me feel so much better. I'm sorry for misinterpreting what you said. Take my, my part of the responsibility. And he's a good fighter. <laughs> I mean, he, when we have arguments, he's he's really taught me a lot because I'm Italian. We go, ah, blah, 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 blah. You know, we, we had a, a yelling family as well. well a little well, bit. Well, we, we, it's, not, it's not unusual to bark from time to time. I mean, yeah. we're all human. But when you finally calm down, just, oh, I'm sorry. I was really acting out of line. Yeah. You know, I take responsibility. Even when it's not my fault, I will, I will often throw the blame back on me because it's much better when you're not fighting. I don't like to go to bed feeling angry at somebody. I want to, you know, let's get it down the table. Let's be done with it. And let's sleep because we don't know what tomorrow is. And we always kiss. We always kiss before we go to bed. Yep. And, you know, we, we are grateful, you know, we really are. We're, yep. I, I just feel very lucky that I had a man that had to go through two marriages to learn all this stuff. <laughs> and he's really great. The women love him in the man panels. And he does, does he give good advice, honey? Well, really I, mean, I, I, I just really give good. it, I just speak from my heart, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I like being married to the right person. You know, it, it, it's, you know, I like a partner in my life. I'm not good at just dating yeah. because I like to be focused for me. I like to, you know, I love to work. I like to get out. I enjoy that as part of my life, but I also enjoy sharing it with someone. So I'm going to say goodbye to you and your audiences. Go. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Have fun golfing. He's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. He's a great guy. Isn't he cool? He's awesome. Okay, so Renee, tell me, what's in your exciting project that you're working on you definitely would love to share with us? Well, I, I'm super excited that I just started a clubhouse called Get Real About Love. I did my very first clubhouse. So if you are on it, I don't know if you are, but it has been an exciting adventure. And crossing my fingers, one of the producers, there's a, a new um, company, Change Your Algorithms online, and Joel, the president of the company, met me on um, Clubhouse and he was the producer of The Biggest Loser. And he is so into the book and my work that he may produce a television show uh, with me in the future. So that's one thing. This book is such a real, when people read it, they go, I feel like I went through your whole journey with you trying to make it into a movie. I'm trying to make it real about love into a film. 
And I'm thinking that I would have Kunis, a love designer. I mean, I've been doing this since I moved to Los Angeles. I think that it's it's so important for people to to take charge of their lives. And I think by revealing my own my own vulnerability really makes people see that, you know, if you're going to, you know, like I love coaching people. I, I have private coaching and I do group coaching. So I have cl- I have a flirting class every month that really gives people a base on how to let people send those messages because now our masks are going to be off and we'll be able to smile and flirt with people. And, and really men sometimes get a little intimidated. They need signals. So you need to learn. So that's one of the things I'm doing. And I have ongoing classes all the time, vision classes, flirting classes. And then soon I'm going to be on clubhouse twice a week. So if you're on there, have you been on yet? Have you been yes, on? Yes, yeah. I've used Clubhouse. I do have access to it, yes. Well, good. Well, you, I'll have to have you on talking about what we've been talking about. I'd love to have you on or any of your guests. And I think, you know, I'm writing a new book too about the lineage of love. Any stories that people might have, whether traumatic, um, I'd love to hear from them because the story, like even your family story would be lovely to, to put into the book there's so many cultures. I worked with people in Algeria and Romania. I've worked with people in, you know, every Russia. And some of those women are so repressed, you know, they, they're controlled over in Russia and they have to marry someone. And if they get divorced, they don't have any support. So I really think it's important for you to really look at how you were wired about love. And if you want to really change it, just take the shift and if you pick up my book, I just wanted you, I have to send you this. I don't know that I sent you this, but these are the vows that go with the book. And to vow to yourself that during this new beginning of the earth, you know, really get real with your beautiful heart and treat your heart sacredly. Because if you've been hurt, then only you can shine the light onto your heart. And I I have people call me all the time that just say, wow, I really feel like I know you. So I'm an imperfect person, just like we all are, you know, but I'm perfectly imperfect. You know, we're all perfectly imperfect. You are a design that God made you the way you are. And you can find that person that loves you just the way you are, because you finally are not beating yourself up over somebody that walked out. If they weren't there, then they weren't appointed for you. And I have to say, I had some broken hearts through my time. And some of the stories are in the book. And I'm so glad that I didn't ruminate much longer because I wasted almost three years of my life when I was at right around your age uh, of a man named Mario, um, who was seeing me and another woman at the same time and then married her. And I could not let it go. And I wasted all of my youth, my 30s, ruminating over this anger. And when men dated me, I had walls so high And when I went back, they said, my God, you were so pretty. And I always, I I couldn't get through your wall. Do not let those walls last too long. Do not let yourself stay in the pain of a breakup because it wasn't your appointed partner. So do healing on yourself. And I can guarantee you that you will be your own coach because you're going to be saying, wow, I, when somebody goes, how are you doing in the dating world? Say, you know what? There's lots of people out there and I'm ready to find the right one for me. I'm very clear on my intentions instead of saying, oh my God, there's so many men and they're all players and they don't, they can't commit or the women are impossible to get a hold of. 
really change your, your thinking, change your prayers, change your languaging, and it makes things manifest quickly. And if you need help, I, well, the monthly flirting and also the new vision board thing, I think people are ready. If you have a vision board, look at it. Does it even have your picture on it? People show me vision boards and it doesn't even have them on their vision. I'm like, where's your picture? Where are the words that are saying ecstatically in love or a man that adores me? Somebody yeah. commitment oriented. That's what mine says. It says commitment, family man. He loves me. He's my man. We, we are building a life together, buying a new home. All those things have happened and more. So I just invite any of you take control of your heart by being kind to yourself as you go through reflection and healing. And I'll attach the information, you guys, for the courses and for Renee's website on the show notes. So it's just only a tap away for my lazy listeners. It's only a tap away, you guys. So click on it to definitely connect with Renee. Uh, tell her that you listened to this episode on Coffee with Romina podcast and you definitely loved it. Now, my very last question, and I have to be biased, it's my favorite question too. What is your personal definition of success? Oh, that's a great question. Waking up every day knowing that I'm making a difference on the planet and that my life exemplifies love in form. I've old, When I prayed for my husband, I said, I want a man in my life that when people see me and see us, they see love and that would make them want to, or believe that love does exist. So I do believe that's what wakes me every day. When I look at them, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And also my work, you know, the work that I do is, is really one of the most fulfilling. It makes me cry. Like, one of the most fulfilling things, because when I get a call from somebody that was brokenhearted six months ago and they say, Renee, it happened. I found her or I, I can't believe that by loving myself more, I ended up finding someone that loves me the way that I've been treating myself. And that makes me go, wow, I made a difference. I'm going to leave a legacy behind of love on the planet. I love it. Yes, that would be amazing. Those phone calls are you know, impacting somebody's life long term, that that's a whole different satisfaction inside of you. Seriously. I love it. And that's what you're doing, my friend, you are impacting people with your heart and love. I feel your love and your passion for what you're doing. So thank you for allowing me to share my passion and even my husband with you and your and your people. And once again, I'm going to show you my book, it's on Amazon. And if you buy it, you need to email me and I will email you the vows. So that would be my last wish for people to really get really honest with themselves so that they can find real love. Perfect. Thank you so much for being part of Coffee with Romina podcast. And you guys definitely look at the show notes. All the information will be there for you to connect with Renee. Definitely look at the clubhouse schedule, schedule your calls. Uh, if you go to Renee's uh, actually website, you'll be able to see all the options and be able to schedule something right there and then. Thank you so much for being a part God of bless you. Coffee with Romina. And for, for you, my loyal listeners, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast from wherever you get your podcast juice from. If that is, as a matter of fact, Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review and a short comment and tell us how much you love this episode. Now, your favorite podcaster, Romina, here until our next episode. I hope you guys have a fabulous and tremendous day. Bye for now.
This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.